I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Isaiah chapters 38 and 39 and Psalm 76. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We first begin today by reading about Hezekiah's sickness in chapter 38 of Isaiah. This is also paralleled in 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 11, which is part of another day's reading. Isaiah 38 verse 1. In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken." Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, In the prime of my life I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah the Lord in the land of the living, I shall observe no man among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me." Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live." Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me, Therefore we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. And Hezekiah had said, What is the sign that I shall go up 
to the house of the Lord. So in this passage, Hezekiah is so sick, he's about to die. He goes back to God in prayer in verses 1 through 3, asking that his life might be spared, at least for the immediate future. Through Isaiah, God makes two promises to Hezekiah. First, he promises to spare Hezekiah's life for another 15 years. That's in verse 5. And then he also promises to defend Jerusalem from the king of Assyria, which is found in verse 6. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 8, Hezekiah wants an immediate sign that God will fulfill his two promises here. That's where the sundial comes into play. After a little bit of negotiation with God regarding which way he wanted the sundial to abnormally move, whether it be backward or forward, Hezekiah decides he'd like to go look at his dad's sundial and see the sun shadow move backward 10 degrees. That's some specific unit of measurement on that sundial. Since we don't have the details of the construction of this sundial, we don't know exactly how it was marked. Therefore, it's impossible to tell exactly how much of the day's sunlight was repeated on this occasion. Here's what we do know. God gave a sign of his promise to Hezekiah on the sundial that was definitive. Now, more details regarding this are found in the 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11 notes. In verses 9 through 20, Hezekiah writes down his thoughts regarding his sickness. We find Hezekiah's metaphor-filled recap of his sickness in verses 9 through 14, and then his feelings about death and life in verses 15 through 18, and then Hezekiah's promise to praise the Lord as long as he lives in verses 19 and 20. As a deal capper here, God gives Hezekiah that special sundial miracle to demonstrate his ability to keep his promise regarding the extension of Hezekiah's life. In the second Kings account, we see that Hezekiah specifically only mentions this aspect of the promise. We see one more interesting fact about the healing of Hezekiah that day in verse 7 of 2 Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah had a nasty-looking boil upon which Isaiah commanded a lump of figs should be laid. That's only briefly mentioned in Isaiah's account here in verses 21 and 22. Then we have uh, Isaiah approaching Hezekiah in chapter 39 with wondering, what in the world, Hezekiah, have you done? Verse 1, Isaiah 39. By the way, these are paralleled in Second Kings chapter 20, verses 12 through 21, which is part of another day's reading. Verse 1 of Isaiah 39. At that time, Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good.
For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Well, here's the man, Hezekiah, who went before God and pled for his city and then for his own life. God honored both prayers. But Hezekiah never quite got it. You'll recall that he had first tried to hedge his bets against the Assyrians by forming an alliance with Egypt. Egypt subsequently fell to the Assyrians. While Hezekiah had a firm relationship with God himself, he liked to cover all his bases. It was Isaiah who held Hezekiah's feet to the fire. And to Hezekiah's credit, he gave heed to Isaiah's counsel. However, in verse 1, visitors from afar show up at Hezekiah's door, messengers from Merodach Baladon of Babylon. Now, here's what we're told in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia regarding Merodach Baladon. He's the son of Baladon, king of Babylon. The son of Baladon is mentioned in Isaiah 39.1 as a king of Babylon who sent an embassy to Hezekiah, king of Judah, apparently shortly after the latter's illness in order to congratulate him on his recovery of health and make with him an offensive and defensive alliance. The Merodach Baladon was a king of the Chaldeans of the house of Yakin and was the most dangerous and inveterate foe of Sargon and his son Sennacherib, kings of Assyria, with whom he long and bitterly contested the possession of Babylon and the surrounding provinces. Merodach Baladon seems to have seized Babylon immediately after the death of Shalmaneser in 721 B.C., and it was not till the twelfth year of his reign that Sargon succeeded in ousting him. From that time down to the eighth campaign of Sennacherib, Sargon and his son pursued with relentless animosity Merodach Baladan and his family until at last his son, Nabashumishkin, was captured and the whole family of Merodach Baladan was apparently destroyed. According to the monuments, therefore, it was from a worldly point of view good politics for Hezekiah and his western allies to come to an understanding with Merodach Baladan and the Arameans, Elamites, and others who were confederated with him. From a strategical point of view, the weakness of the Allied powers consisted in the fact that the Arabian desert lay between the eastern and western members of the Confederacy, so that the Assyrian kings were able to attack their enemies when they pleased and to defeat them in detail. And that ends the quote from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. But where was Isaiah when those envoys showed up to visit Hezekiah? They said they came to pay their respects because they heard that Hezekiah had been sick. That sounds suspicious, although as a vassal state of Assyria at the time, Merodach Baladan must have admired the fact that Jerusalem alone had withstood the Assyrian assault, something he'd failed to do up to this point. Hezekiah wanted to make their trip worthwhile, so he showed them everything he owned. After all, they had a common enemy, and that enemy was Assyria. Then Isaiah shows up and says something to the effect of, "'You did what?' Isaiah breaks some bad news to Hezekiah. These people will be back. They'll return one day as conquerors and lead your descendants into captivity. Some good news, though. You'll die before this happens. All this will happen to your kids, not you. Now, news that I think would depress me, well, seems to please Hezekiah in verse 8. He says, well, at least it won't happen to me. And then we have the miracle of Isaiah's prophecy revisited. The prophecy issued by Isaiah to King Hezekiah here is so remarkable that we should really mention it one more time. 
He said the Assyrians will never capture Jerusalem. This prophecy came to Hezekiah first in Isaiah 37, verses 7 through 10, while Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrians, several hundred thousand troops. The Assyrians had laid siege to uh, all of the countries surrounding Jerusalem, including the walled cities within Judah itself. After Hezekiah's prayer in Isaiah 37, verses 15 to 35, we find in verse 36 it says, Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000, and when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. Count them there. 185,000 dead Assyrians. Then the Assyrians leave Jerusalem without accomplishing their mission. Then here in today's passage in Isaiah 38:6, God prophesies to Hezekiah through Isaiah. He says, I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. So in the face of insurmountable opposition, God promises to deliver Jerusalem from Assyria, and he does just that. This took place in 701 B.C. But then uh, Isaiah goes on in his prophecy, and he says this. He says the Babylonians will capture Jerusalem. Not the Assyrians, but the Babylonians. After Hezekiah gives the deluxe tour to the visiting messengers from Babylon in Isaiah 39 and 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 12 to 21, Isaiah then rebukes Hezekiah for such a boneheaded gesture. These Babylonians would one day conquer the Assyrian Empire, and then they would come for Jerusalem. Notice this remarkable prophecy given by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 39, verses 6 and 7. It says, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now here's the fascinating aspect of this prophecy by Isaiah. It would be 92 years before the Babylonians would overcome the Assyrians. That would happen in 609 B.C. And it'd be another 23 years before Jerusalem would fall once and for all in 586 B.C., the account of which is found in 2 Kings chapters 24 and 25. What a prophet of God! In the face of impossible odds, Isaiah correctly prophesies that Jerusalem will not fall, yet Isaiah prophesies that Jerusalem will fall 115 years later to an empire that in 701 B.C. was not even an empire, just a vassal state of Assyria. Just as I said, remarkable. Now let's read a psalm, Psalm 76. God's a glorious and majestic judge. The subtitle to this one says, To the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm of Asaph, a song. Verse 1. In Judah God is known, his name is great in Israel, in Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the arrows of the bow, the shield and sword of battle, Selah. You are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted were plundered, they have sunk into their sleep, and none of the mighty men have found the use of their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse were cast into a deep sleep. You yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence? When once you are angry, you cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to deliver all the oppressed of the earth, Selah. 
Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath you shall gird yourself. Make vows to the Lord your God and pay them. Let all who are around him bring presents to him who ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. Now you may have thought that we were all done with reading the Psalms, but this Psalm is chronologically inserted here in Bible Track, along with Isaiah chapters 38 and 39, because several of the references contained herein seem to describe the Assyrian threat to Jerusalem. It was quite possibly written during this time period. In this psalm, we find an enemy who is supernaturally defeated because they fall into a deep sleep. And that's what happened to the Assyrians in 701 B.C. outside of Jerusalem during the reign of King Hezekiah. As a matter of fact, it was the ultimate deep sleep. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.